The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Avengers Initiative, Moon Knight, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series. Poppy Chula Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Thursday, April 28th, 2022, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on Disney Plus's Moon Knight. Please welcome my co-host, Priscilla Obregón. Hey, everybody. Notice right. the name change? <laughs> yes. Congratulations. Yeah, something big happened to Priscilla this week. So, yes. All right. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 1, Episode 5, which was titled Asylum and debuted April 27th, 2022 via Disney+. Plus. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Stephen and Mark search through their memories to find their truth or become left behind. All right, Priscilla. Unfortunately, Vinny isn't here. I was really curious to hear his opinions about it. And I was very intrigued to hear yours as well. So I I wanted to hear my co-host talk about this. So uh, let's talk about it. This was a very unusual episode. An episode that made sense, though. I didn't think about this until after we had finished recording the podcast last week. But I was in my mind, I was like, for this next episode, we're probably going to spend most of the time in that psych ward. Just because at the end of the day, we don't really have much forward movement in regards to the villainous activities that we've seen thus far. At the end of the previous episode, basically Harrow is ready to uh, bring um, Amit into uh, the world. So what was what, what's left? You know, basically thwarting Harrow and Amit. And I was like, I don't think that's going to take two episodes. They'll, they'll probably save that for the final episode. So clearly we were going to be in the asylum for this episode. And that's what ended up happening. We were in the asylum for this entire episode. And uh, a lot of the episode was told in flashback. Um, Not traditional flashbacks, but flashbacks in which both Mark and Steven are able to sort of see and re-experience what happened in the past. So let's talk about all of the flashbacks together first. In the flashbacks, we saw young Steven and his brother Randall together, sort of living a blissful suburban city-esque life together. And uh, we see a moment in time that really affected Mark. And that is when his young brother died from drowning. And uh, Mark beat himself up you know, throughout the years, thinking that it was his fault. It didn't help that his mother also blamed Mark for Randall's death and would lash out at him verbally as well as physically. And it was during one of those instances where we saw Mark create Stephen Grant, you know, a character from his favorite movie, Tomb Busters, uh, that ended up becoming a, you know, a different personality for Mark whenever his mother beat him. So we also saw other instances such as when uh, Mark became the Moon Knight, and we also saw the moments in which the wall 
the wall that Mark had created to separate Mark and Stephen crumbled. And that was two months ago, two months ago in Moon Knight time, when his mother passed away. So there was a lot of information that was given to us in these flashbacks, Priscilla. What do you think of all of the flashbacks? Did it help you understand Mark a little bit more? I know that you've been a little bit more iffy about Mark versus Stephen. And uh, what do you think of Stephen, um, his reaction to the flashbacks as well? My God, I felt so bad for Mark, especially when his mom started blaming him for his little brother. Is this, it is his little brother, right? He was a tall one. And the, yes, the other one it was, was his younger brother. brother. Yeah. Yeah, like that death. And it wasn't his fault. Stephen was entirely right when he was talking to him later and was like, it wasn't your fault. And that means subconsciously even he knows that it's not his fault, that his mom was just, I don't know, something was wrong with her. To beat your kid and to blame them constantly, especially on their birthday, something was wrong with her. But I wanted to mention one thing that was um, pointed out to me online that I thought was pretty interesting about the flashbacks. Um, In Mark's room, he has a scale similar to the one that he's being judged on. His knocked over toys are laid out like a tomb dig site in his other flashback with the car flipped over and the archaeologists laying on their back and the poster of Tomb Buster. And his brother was drawing a fish when they left to go play in the cave. The drawing is later seen in his room and it's a goldfish with one fin. Oh, that's fascinating. And the fish tank decorations are a boat sailing on the sand with a big weird door un- like the underworld. And now the the little girl, well, I'll talk about that part later, but like his farewell to his mom is later gators and Ahmed is represented by two gators. So a lot of this stuff connects to his real world life. That's fascinating. I noticed the later Gators, but that's a Stevenism. Like he said that at the very first episode when he was talking to his mom, and I'm using air quotes that listeners cannot see because this is an audio podcast. But uh, yeah, he said that in the first episode. So I remembered that from there. Uh, I didn't really think of uh, the later Gators with the whole, you know, um, Amit situation. But, but that, yeah, that's interesting. Everything else that you mentioned is fascinating, which, I mean, I was planning on rewatching the episode anyway, but now I kind of have to rewatch it to notice all of that. So, I mean, the amount of symbolism that they put into the flashbacks, which, you know, it's fascinating. It's, it's, some of it is like, you know, was that like that back then? You know, was a, that a little bit of manipulation, you know, with, uh, you know, because sometimes, you know, not every memory that like, when we think about the past and we try to remember stuff in the past, you know, it isn't always 100% as it actually was in real time. You know, sometimes, you know, our present day sensibilities you know, sort of cloud the past. I wonder if some of that could be that or if it was just, you know, if everything was just connected from day one, which makes that even extra interesting. It makes you think whether or not Khonshu has been, like, manipulating stuff from the beginning. And remember in the flashback where the little kid is about to get drowned, they see a bird skeleton before they go inside. So maybe Khonshu manipulated the entire thing from the beginning. They did. And that's an interesting point. It's fascinating. Uh, Randall does have a bit of a presence in the comics. So... uh... I mean, I wonder wonder if we end up seeing him again. Randall is a character by the name of Shadow Knight in the comics, and he's actually a supervillain. Oh, no. A nemesis to Moon Knight. There's a whole story in the comics where um, Randall ends up murdering Steven's nurse girlfriend, and uh, Steven confronts him there's a fight there appears to be a death but then randall ends up returning and goes on a killing spree focusing on nurses with the hatchets and uh, i mean there's an entire situation with them Um, but then we find out that that really wasn't randall uh, but just someone that had been implanted with randall's memories but randall is actually a member of the cult of khonshu i mean there's like a whole storyline with randall in the comics, which makes me wonder if we do end up seeing more of Moon Knight at some point, 
could Randall be a villain, much like another villainous character from the Moonlight, I'm gonna say Moonlight, from the Moon Knight <laughs> universe was mentioned here as well. You know, we got a little bit more information about, you know, the the night that uh, Layla's father was killed, his uh, commanding officer Bushman, you know, was his partner, and that's who ended up killing Layla's father, as well as all the other archaeologists, and left Mark for dead. We had a really dark moment uh, in the MCU where we see Mark ready to commit suicide when uh, Khonshu appears and uh, makes him an offer that clearly he could not refuse. And so we saw him become the Moon Knight for the first time. And we even have Khonshu dubbing him the Moon Knight, which I thought was, you know, it was interesting. I I think it was important because that's how the character gets his name. I mean, it was all fascinating. All of the flashbacks, I think, were really interesting. And uh, it was also interesting how they were shown. I don't know if you really enjoyed it, but I loved that sequence where uh, Stephen kept on climbing the stairs in the brownstone where the specters live. And, uh, you know, it kept on sort of like advancing in time as he climbed, you know, the next level. I mean, the the next level led them to the same floor, but it was was still interesting. I don't know if you thought that was uh, an interesting bit of uh, VFX work or set work. Yeah, the, the the house, I know that it's not an actual house, but, like, the house looks like it's going on forever, which was really nice. I liked that. I, I think it's just a bit of clever camera work where it shows, like, the top of the staircase and then, like, you flash back and it's, like, the bottom of the staircase, but, like, really it's just one staircase. Mm-hmm, yeah. I, I agree with you on that. Uh, yeah, the flashbacks were just... It's fascinating. It's illuminating. It helped us understand Mark a little bit more. It helped us. It helped us actually understand Stephen, I think, a little bit more as well. You know, and and helped us understand why Stephen was created, and how he was created. You know, the fact that Stephen was a way to sort of protect Mark from his mother, but yet Stephen also believed. Uh, you know, a sort of like hyper-idealized version of Mark's life. You know, a love mother, a loving family. You know, all of the incredible support that Mark clearly did not have. Uh, yeah, it was, it was incredibly well done, and props to Oscar Isaac for selling it. Because... I guess props to the kid. The yeah. soul changing into Steven. And he did he did an accent better than Oscar Isaac does a British accent, so I'm I was I was really impressed with the kid. I will co-sign that. There was a moment in this episode, since we're talking about accents, I might as well bring it up. There was a moment in this episode. We haven't gotten into Harrow and how he was used. We will in a little bit. But since you mentioned accents, I mean, it triggered something, so I might as well mention it now. There was a moment where Mark is being talked to by Harrow. And Mark, all of a sudden, from out of nowhere, starts talking with the heavy New York accent. Yeah, I figured that out. I was like, that is the other personality that's in the sarcophagus. You know it. It has to be, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's what I thought as it, well. Did you notice that in the other flashbacks, like, there's always a taxi cab nearby? I noticed the taxi cabs. When when we initially saw the taxi cab in the flashback the first time, and both Mark and Steven were like, I don't remember that, I was like, could that be the other personality? But then we saw the context to that scene later on, and it's kind of understandable why... Mark doesn't remember it because he was really drunk. And in at the end of it, you know, Stephen ended up popping out. Um, but, yeah, I kept on wondering if we were going to see the other personality. We only have an episode left. 
so I kind of feel like we're not. They, that might be something that ends up showing up later, unless, based off of what happened in this episode, maybe that's sort of like the door that opens for the other personality to pop out. I don't know. Uh, we'll talk about what we think happens in the next episode a little bit later. But I did want to bring up the accent thing, because it was a tiny little moment. Um, his demeanor and his persona just completely changed. So uh, it was interesting, nonetheless. Let's rewind, though, and let's talk about what led both Mark and Steven on a flashback tour. And that's because of Tawarit. She ends up explaining to them that they are dead. They died, and they are in the afterlife. And, uh, you know, when people first show up in the afterlife, because, you know, it's so fantastical and it's hard to explain and understand, everyone pretty much gets their own personal afterlife in the beginning. You know, someplace familiar. And for whatever reason, for them, it is a psych ward. And so uh, she explains that they are actually on a boat floating through the Duat, uh, which is the Egyptian underworld, and that she is going to have to weigh their hearts on the scales of justice with a feather to determine whether they're going to go to paradise, aka the field of reeds, or if they are going to be dragged down into the duat and uh, basically uh, turned to stone for all of eternity. And, and I think no, I think they also get dragged to hell after they turn to stone, right? Or something like that? Uh, I think the hell is that they're stuck in oh, the, they're stuck in the stone. desert. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's what I thought, but I wasn't sure. Just wanted to make sure. All right. So while the their hearts are, you know, when their hearts are pulled out, I should say, and they're being weighed, uh, the scales kind of go crazy. And that's when uh, Tawaret is like, you guys need to figure things out, go into your past, and share, reveal your truths to each other so that the scales can balance and this, that, or the other. What do you think of the setup, Priscilla? What do you think of the explanation of why we saw the asylum in the last episode? And, uh, yeah, what do you think of, what do you think of Tawaret and how she was used? I thought she was really cute. I thought she was like, it's the first time I've been in an asylum. And she she also was like, and I haven't done this in a really long time. So And her, her little papyrus that suddenly turns into flashcards. Because yeah, the papyrus flashcards, yes. Oh, my God. It was so cute. I loved her. I loved the, the, the voice actor that they used for her. I don't know who it is, but props to them because... It was just amazing. But um, I thought that she was remarkably um, sympathetic to Mark. She could have mm-hmm. just been like, well, you're not balancing, so get out of here and tossed him out of the uh, tossed him out of the the boat. But she realized that the souls are falling and they're not falling where they should be. And she's like, okay, I'm gonna go to a series and I'm gonna take you and you need to balance your 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 scales so go to the asylum and figure shit out and look through the entire look through your memories and confront him because she didn't actually say look through your memories and confront him but she implied it and it gave them the hint as to what they needed to do to balance the scales what i didn't like is what happens afterwards with um Steven, although I, I won't get into it until you describe it, but still. Okay, because I do have opinions about that as well, and I do have a major question. Uh, shout out to Antonia Salib, who plays, or I should say, who voices Tawaret. Uh, I do agree with you as well. Her voice work was fantastic. I mean, she she exuded so much warmth, and it kind of makes sense because she is the Egyptian goddess of childbirth and fertility and, and all that kind of stuff that we discussed last week and so it makes sense that she is you know protective and a nurturer and and that sort of thing um yeah she was just fantastic and hella adorable and what a spectacular uh sort of guide 
into uh, the underworld. Yeah, she did a really, really good job. So, okay, so we spoke about Tawaret. Let's talk about Harrow and how he was used in this episode. Because we have we have Harrow being almost like an antagonist in a sense, because that's how Stephen and Mark are perceiving him. But in essence, he is kind of helping them sort through their shit in an interesting way. You know, we have both Stephen and Mark, you know, clearly going through this journey that's actually happening to them with Tawaret, them on this boat that's sailing through the Duat. But then there are moments where in extreme emotions, both Mark and then at a certain point, Stephen, and then in a teeny, teeny tiny point, someone else, ends up popping through and uh, experiencing this, you know, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, American Horror Story Asylum, um, you know, any sort of, you know, you know tropey, a psych ward type of film or series that you've ever seen. You know, they experience that where they're being told you are in an asylum. Everything else that you're experiencing is is fake. But it's through those conversations with Harrow, this this Dr. Harrow, they are able to piece together what is missing and what they need to do, what they need to confront, what they need to expose, you know, to each other, you know, the truth, so that the scales could balance. What do you think of how Hera was used, Priscilla? Did you like it? I liked it a lot. I I love that they confronted the fact that he looked like Ned Flanders because that's like the first thing I thought of when I saw him. But apparently the actor was going for Carl Ewing, which was a really, like, smart choice. And I liked the fact that he acted kind of like as the match that strikes and creates the fire. Like, he pushed them to go into the other realm by asking key questions that they needed to elucidate the response that he wanted. And technically, that not that how it works in the comics, too, with... Um, uh, Moon Knight kind of going off into his own like little like mental world and the things there kind of pointing him in the right direction for what he's supposed to do for actions for his current case. Yes, I do believe so. I like the fact that they borrowed from the comics in that sense. And I feel like a lot of what what, what was mentioned there, like the fact that, that you see the the orderlies in there the people that were in the desert that were following um, Harrow there, like little bits and hints of, of of what's going on in his real world, which I assume to be the world that um, he died in, that they're reflected in his office, like with the, with the pyramid glass cases, with the... Um, poster of the movie that he was based off of with the gator that's supposedly like the goddess that Hera's trying to bring back so a lot of like again little bits and hints of, of the background reflect what's going on or what has been going on and I love that I feel like so much care has been placed into this TV show it, it feels reminiscent of how much care they placed in WandaVision, that somebody mm-hmm. thought about everything. Yeah, I 100% agree with you on that. 100%. Yeah, the set design to that office was just fascinating, because there are Easter eggs to, add, like, I don't want to say everything that we've seen, but certainly a lot of what we've seen in that office. Because there's even one, like, photograph, or is it a painting that looks like that little village that we saw in the very first episode where um, Stephen 
sees um, um, Harrow for the first time. Uh, so yeah, they did a really good job with that office. It has a lot of Easter eggs that are really spectacular to see. You're like, oh, okay. Someone clearly has been paying attention and props to the set designers and the prop people because um, the props people, because clearly they were paying attention. So uh, there's a certain point in the episode, like about halfway through the episode, when Tawaret notices that there's a disturbance in the force. Basically, souls are being judged uh, without their hearts being balanced. You know, they're being judged prematurely. And so Stephen and Mark both realize that this is because of stuff that's going out going on, I should say, out in the real world. Harrow must have uh, brought back Amit. Maybe even Harrow is her avatar. And so uh, souls are being judged uh, earlier than they are supposed to. So they end up convincing her, Tawaret, to uh, turn the ship around and to figure out a way to help them get out into the world of the living. She explains that their heart still needs to be balanced and uh, the scales need to be balanced, I should say, but that she can try to get them through the only door that will send them through into the world of the living, which is via the gates of Osiris. So that's where we're headed. They go back in and they do end up at a certain point balancing the scales it doesn't happen fully as, as the way that they thought it was going to, but uh, at, at a, there's a certain point where, uh, you know, basically the Duat is um, attacking the ship so that, uh, you know, Mark is dragged into the Duat. Uh, there's a really interesting fight where the Duat is expressing itself as uh, previous victims of Mark. We, we had seen them earlier in this sort of like cafeteria room where all of the, you know, the, the, depends on what you want to call them, the victims or, you know, the, the justice, the swift justice, that is Conchu's uh, fists were there, uh, you know, in that cafeteria setting. We also saw that Mark recognized all of them and knew exactly where he ended up um, murking them for Khonshu. So they start attacking. Mark is fighting them off. At a certain point, Stephen, who really doesn't know what to do, ends up getting in on the action. And uh, he's like, well, I'm you, so I should know how to handle this. But one of the these you know manifestations ends up, it appears to be, dragging Mark off the edge of the boat. Stephen saves the day, but lands in the sands of the Duat and uh, ends up turning into stone. But the hearts end up balancing on the scale when this happens. So, Priscilla, you said you had issues with this. What do you think of this moment in this episode? And... Uh, not to dip our toes into predictions, but I guess we'll have to dip our toes into predictions with this question. Is this the last of Stephen? Do we think we will see Stephen again? Um, I'm going to answer the first one. And in the first one, I'd say for a while I was like, why did the scales balance? Did they balance because he got rid of one of his personalities? But then I thought, no, because... We saw the other personality this episode with the New York accent. We saw, is his name Jake? That's his name in the comics, yes. Yeah. So I, I I don't think it was that he lost personality. I think it's that he understood that he had personalities. And when Mark lost Steven, it's like his heart kind of accepted Steven. Accepted Steven as like another part of his body, like another part of him and accepted who he was the same way Steven accepted that Mark is a part of him and everything that Mark knows he should know like once there was an acceptance from both sides the scales balanced 
that's what I think as well. I agree with you because I mentioned last time that I felt like this journey in the asylum was going to lead to both Stephen and Mark accepting each other as people. You know, even though they are personalities and they're sharing a body and and that sort of thing. Like I felt like they were going to be in unison in this episode. And it took a moment, you know, they had to experience flashbacks and, and Stephen got to see a side of Mark that he didn't know. He also, Stephen also kind of had to understand the fact that Mark was the dominant personality, that Mark existed before Stephen, that Stephen, uh, that Mark created Stephen and that sort of thing, which was a little bit of a shock for Stephen, but he kind of, you know, went with it. And so at the end of it, when Stephen was like, okay, then I should know what you know. It, it was, as you said, Stephen accepting Mark. And I think once Stephen died, for lack of a better word, I think that was Mark, as you said, accepting Stephen as a person and experiencing that loss. And maybe that's what the truth that the hearts needed to balance. Although Jake is still out there, but maybe Jake wasn't in the equation because both Stephen and Mark don't know he exists. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I thought that because he's he's just a non-entity for now. Yes. They didn't even they didn't even acknowledge the the sarcophagus when he was there. So, like it, it's it's just it feels like they think the body is just the two of them for now. Yes. Which was interesting because you would think if they're being judged in the underworld, if there was anything that I would sort of nick at this episode. Because you're being judged in the underworld. You would think that, you know, the person in charge of judging you would know that there's something missing. You know, when they kept on saying in the beginning, when she kept on saying, you know, there's something off about these hearts. I was like, okay, well, they're going to figure out that there's another one. There's another personality. But that wasn't the case. So uh, that was just interesting to me. I understand why they're doing this in a, via like a story perspective. But um, it did leave me with a couple of sort of lingering questions. But Stephen's death, were you surprised? Um, did you scream? Uh, yeah. What did you think of Stephen dying the hero? Yes, I was surprised. I was like, he has to turn the butt around or he's going to turn into Moon Knight and shoot out of the sand or something like that to, to bring him back. But when he didn't and he just turned into sand, I was like, Oh my God, are we going to lose him? But he's Mr. Knight. You, you, we, we can't lose him. And for that matter, what stops Mark from just creating him all over again? Well, I think when... that's the, yeah, that's the big question. Cause he's not, I know that we've been talking about them as people in this podcast for this episode, you know, that they have to accept each other as people so that they can live together in that body. But at the end of the day, he's not a person. He's a personality. So it makes me think that Stephen can't be dead. Right? Yeah. I, I don't think he's dead. I think, I think he's going to come back. I think that was a symbolic think, death. I think they're going to have like a magical moment where like, all the personalities combine and like they're going to they Voltron this, yeah an Ultron that's uh, what I think mm -hmm. but maybe, maybe it's just going to be Mark maybe once Mark accepts Jake in the future he'll grow stronger as Moon Knight maybe I just can't, I, I feel like Steven isn't dead like I just can't believe that he died like, it was shocking. It was a good moment because it surprised the fuck out of me. I was not expecting it. It was dramatic. It was uh, a moment of growth for Steven. It was a moment of growth for Mark. But I just can't believe that that's the last time we see Steven. Like, I feel like you can't kill a personality like that. Like, it's not a person. It's still a part of Mark. So I feel like Mark will be able to bring him back by the end of the episode you know the the scales balance and uh, mark finds himself in the field of reeds uh, with a beautiful song in the background i will say um I which sort of song but Pardon? i thought it was pretty too i didn't yeah. recognize the song but i thought it was pretty 
Yeah, it was a beautiful song. And uh, it, it sort of, it was nice to acknowledge um, Mark's sort of, you know, Latinx background, because, I mean, it was a Spanish song. Um, and we also acknowledged uh, his Jewish background throughout the episode, which I thought was really nice. I mean, in the comics, he's Jewish. So we haven't really seen, you know, um, any sort of um, expression of faith with Mark, you know, throughout the series. So that was kind of nice. What I'm wondering is how mm-hmm. he's going to get out of the field of reads, because wasn't his whole thing like this? This is where I got confused, and I'm hoping you can clarify it for me. Wasn't it that when the scales balanced, he was going to go meet Osiris, like not go to the field of reads, because the field of reads is heaven, isn't that like the end? From what she said, the field of reads is heaven. The ship was headed towards the gates of Osiris, so my my assumption was that he would be at the gates, but he was in the field of reeds. So that is a little confusing for me as well. My hope is that it it is explained at the start of the next episode, because he still has to convince Osiris to let him back into the world of the living. Osiris via his avatar maybe doesn't necessarily seem like the nicest person, or at least his avatar doesn't seem like the nicest person. So I wonder if clearly, well, let me remove the I wonder. Clearly we're going to see Osiris's um, god form, you know, because we are in the world of the gods right now. So we're going to see Osiris in his true form. So I feel like based off of everything that's happened, the fact that Harrow freed Amit, because I feel like once we get back into the world of the living, that's going to be an effect. You know, Amit, you know, enacting her justice and that sort of thing. So clearly Osiris has to know that. So my assumption is, is that it's not going to take much convincing for Mark to, you know, convince Osiris to let him through. Yeah, I I think they're going to realize they fucked up. But what I'm wondering is, are they going to realize this before Leila goes in and gets um, the statue of Moon Knight? And for that matter, is she going to give it back considering she heard that he was in her mind? Mark killed her father. They still haven't clarified that he didn't, that he actually tried to save him, but that he died in efforts of doing that. And he had, and that's how he met um, Conchu. Well, no, remember they had the conversation right before Harrow showed up and she accused him of, of killing her father and he said no, but that he was there, right? Or am I remembering that wrong? Yeah. But they didn't, there was no moment to sort of, for them to um, really process what happened because Harrow shows up. So mm-hmm. um, that might be a little bit of plot exposition movement that maybe we aren't going to be able to see. Kind of like when Layla became a little bit more understanding about Mark's DID. Uh, maybe we might not see Layla become sort of accepting that Mark was there. But, you know, that Mark wasn't directly behind or involved in her father's death. Mm-hmm. Maybe. There's a lot that actually has to be covered in the next episode. And it was already announced based off of uh, there's an individual that has always released the run times for these series. And uh, that person has always been right. It turns out the episode really is only going to be like about 45 minutes. What? And I don't know if that's with the credits or not. And that sounds very tiny. And compared to other finales, this is like the shortest one. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I feel like there's a lot that needs to be covered in the next episode. Like not to get into predictions, but maybe, I mean, we can sort of dip our toes into predictions and 
hopes and what we would like to see in the next episode. Clearly, we're going to have to thwart, and I'm saying we like if, if we're going to be there. But maybe we'll, we'll, both of us, Priscilla, will suit up as the, the Moon Knight and help out. But uh, we need to take down Harrow. We need to take down Amit. We do need some sort of scene where Layla and Mark talk about everything. Sort of like a decompression scene. We need the return of Steven. We need to free Khonshu. Um, clearly, listeners, I'm saying this in no particular order because I feel like they're going to have to release Khonshu and bring, bring back the Moon Knight before they can thwart uh, Amit and Harrow. Uh, so we need all that. I would personally like some sort of tease in a, in a greater fashion of Jake. That would be kind of nice. Uh, I'm trying to think, is there anything else that I need an answer to? I think that's pretty much it. Priscilla, what about you? Do you have anything to add as far as things that you need to see in this finale? Answers that you want answered in this finale? Is it weird that I kind of want the gods to, like, not the gods, but the avatar of the gods, like, to realize that they fucked up? Like, because... Oh, that's good. I like it. Because... The, the with Harrow coming back, they know that they were lied to. So I want them to give the the Kanchu statue to Layla to free Kanchu, or maybe since we saw all of those gods that were imprisoned, maybe like as she's freeing Kanchu, she frees another god, and that opens up something for the second season. That's what I was thinking. Nice. I feel like we're going to have to see Yatzil again, a.k.a. the avatar for Hathor. I think if anyone is going to give Layla the Khonshu um, Ushapti, it's going to be her. So it'd be nice to see her again. Uh, my hope beyond hope, just because I feel like it would be chaotic as fuck, is uh, if all of the gods are freed... Because, I mean, why not? I mean, if you're going to free Khonshu, might as well free the rest of them. Uh, clearly, they're going to have to imprison Amit again. Sorry, Amit. But, I mean, minority reporting the world is probably not the way to go. And it's not the way to, um, you know, um, become beloved amongst the gods. So maybe sh she might have to be stonified but uh the chaos of just everyone else being freed kind of seems exciting to me uh but that would be sort of like more of an mcu world building thing because all these gods out there could end up being um, beneficial or not for the mcu so that idea kind of works for me yeah i'd like i'd like to see more than anything i'd like to see Mark's character, Mark's actor Oscar Isaac come back. I don't want it to be something where they replace it so that Layla's the Moon Knight or something like that. Like I want to see him back either in the movies or in another season of Moon Knight. I want to see Oscar Isaac again. I think he's a great actor. I agree. I agree 100%. I, I don't know what they're going to do with the character post this. So uh, maybe we'll have a little bit of a greater understanding after we watch the next episode. So listeners, we might have some theories as to when or where we're going to see the Moon Knight uh, at the end of the next podcast that we do. But um, my hope is that Oscar Isaac has, uh, you know, a good tenure as the Moon Knight after this. I mean, at least this episode alone proves as to why they selected him to be Moon Knight. He did a fantastic job. 100%. Priscilla, was there anything that I missed? Anything, a tiny little moment or anything that you want to chat about before we get into the MVP? Nope. I think you covered everything. All right. Oh, well. I just oh, wanted yes. to say one more thing. The, that mother, what the fuck? She's a bitch. No kidding. Oh, gosh. Listen, props to Fernanda Andrade. Because she, I mean, this is props to her as an actor, because she made me dislike her 
pretty much immediately. I mean, she was kind of cool when she was on the grill. But then afterwards, just like the mother, mommy, dearest from hell. Like, I was expecting her to, you know, no wire hangers for a moment. Because I was just like, good grief. She played the fuck out of her. And props also to Ray Lucas, who played the father, Elias. Um, Mother was Wendy. Father was Elias. Um, Just an incredible amount of warmth. You know, that one scene... At uh, the Shiva, right? Uh, yeah, the Shiva. Yeah, the Shiva. Uh, you know, just, you know, come inside. And, uh, you know, after, maybe after not seeing Mark for many years, uh, just, you know, you could tell that his father loved him. And it was just conveyed, you know, really through, through you know, the smallest of emoting. But it, it worked for me. You know, they were both... Good actors playing two very different characters. I I am going to struggle with MVP. I'm telling you this much because everybody who did this episode acted their damn asses off. The 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 yeah. father included too. Although I know that he was supposed to characterize warmth, but oh, I could not get past the fact that he was letting the mom beat his son. For something that wasn't his fault. Like, I was like, and you want him to sit Shiva for this bitch? Fuck no. What the hell? But let's be real. And it's unfortunate to say, I mean, there are a lot of family situations that are like that in the world. Which is sad to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of sad things to think about, we have to do the MVP. And it is going to be difficult, but it should be interesting nonetheless. Fortunately, there's just two of us. Sorry, Vinny. Uh, you know, I think it would have been even more difficult with three of us because usually I go at the end. But uh, you are going to go first, Priscilla. So uh, you, you get all the pickings to pick from. Uh, oh, who, my God. Who is your shiny MVP for this episode? Well, actually, let me do the whole thing because, I, I, you know, I got to, for continuity's sakes, let me do the spiel. It's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character pressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So choose wisely, Priscilla. I'm going to pick Tawaret because I really appreciated her warmth and her kindness to Mark and to Steven. And I really did believe, even though she's got, like, the voice of a kindergarten teacher, that she is a god. Like, the the digital effects for her were really cool. And I like how she, like, kind of flicked her ears, like, acting kind of like a hippo, too. So it was it was just perfect. I loved her character. Tawaret, for sure. We didn't really talk about the visuals, but I do want to just really quick before I give my MVP, the visuals for this episode. You know, a lot of people, you know, sometimes complain about the Disney plus Marvel or even the Marvel in general CGI, but I thought the CGI was spot on in this episode. Everything that was not real looked really real. Uh, I thought they did a really good job with it all. So I'm going to go with the obvious choice. Priscilla was incredibly kind to leave him on the table, so I'm going to pick him. Oscar Isaac was just stellar in this episode, both as Mark and as Steven. Well, I should also say in three ways, because we did get a teeny tiny glimpse of a character that we do not know. And um, just based off of uh, how he acted and uh, the voice that he gave him, I mean, it's a very distinct character, so it's going to be interesting to see Oscar Isaac play that character. But he was just fantastic from beginning to end. The different emotions he had to go through. I mean, he ran the gamut of emotions in this episode, and he brought it, period. Props also to the makeup department, because every time he would appear in front of Harrow, when we would flash back into this sort of... Um, imaginary world that he created with Harrow as his doctor. He had different facial makeup on. Like, sometimes he's bruised, sometimes he wasn't. It was quite fascinating. Um, But yeah, Oscar Isaac was just fantastic. A tour de force performance, and as I said earlier, if there was ever any doubt as to why the MCU people selected him, you can just point to this episode because he kicked ass 
So, now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 crescent moons? The point system is allowed. If you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it. Dur, 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 dur. The coveted golden crescent moon. Priscilla, you're up first. How would you rate this episode? I gotta give it a golden crescent moon. It was perfect. It went beyond my expectations. It showcased an asylum and it showcased the afterworld in just like this creative way and the details all showing episodes from the past and maybe the next episode which we haven't figured out because we haven't seen it yet but all these details work to create this just immense universe that is just perfect I I loved this episode perfect perfect episode and I will co-sign I mean, I feel like it was obvious from both of us just how we've been talking about this episode since this podcast started. But yeah, Golden Crescent Moon for me, it was just beautiful. An incredibly rewatchable episode. Um, A very talky episode. You know, it's it's an exposition-filled episode. But all of it was interesting stuff. We got incredible character development for both Mark and Steven as characters. The flashbacks, as brutal as some of them were, you know, were incredibly necessary to allow us to get to know Mark and, you know, as well as Steven throughout the episode. I mean, we didn't mention the scene, but the scene where Steven realizes that his mother is dead, you know, because we had Mark basically telling him, you know, mom died and this is what blah, 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 blah. And he's like, no, 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 no. I speak to her every day. We chat on the phone, lay a and all that kind of stuff. And then Harrow calls her, and and he realizes, no, my mother's dead. Like that was incredibly powerful acting from from Oscar Isaac. Just spectacular, spectacular. Every single moment in this episode was spectacular. So uh, a golden crescent moon from me, as well. And on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Avengers Initiative, Moon Knight. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Avengers Initiative, Moon Knight, and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-host, please wish the listeners a good night. Later, kiddos. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe to the Avengers Initiative Moon Nights via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. New episodes release every Friday. You can also download the entire series by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. Good night.